guess what I've got to read to you today. Wait a minute, that doesn't work, because I can't hear you if you guess. I've got an unpublished story. Well, it's unpublished in print, and until now it had been unpublished in audio form. And not only that, I mean, that's pretty great, but if you go to the website, there's a message there from the author. Written just for you. Well, actually, I'd like to think that it was written for me, but I'll share it with you because I'm that kind of a person. Gracious. And there might be a few other new things there as well if you click through to the site, which is a hint. God, I'm just so excited that my voice is all a quaver, which might have something to do with the lack of heat in my house, or maybe it's all that tea I drank, but let's not let that diminish the excitement here, which is real. Hi, it's Tuesday, the 29th of January, 2008, and it's Miet's Bedtime Story Podcast. From the Mouths of Buildings by Karl Krampf One day, I walked out into the street. It was downtown or uptown, depending on how I looked at it. Or you too, for that matter. I looked down the city streets. Wow, even tall buildings. Their windows were mysteriously, however, opened. At least more so than usual. Why should they gape at me like this, I inquired. At home, my wife, peeling cucumbers and admiring their rich green surfaces, often asked herself a similar question. Today, this very day, she wondered more so than usual, in fact. She said to herself, My husband is the kind of man that when he goes into town, windows open for him. They gaze agape at him. In wonderment, he is just that kind of a man. I suppose I am. Here I was, after having gone to town, in the town itself. And windows had opened. Doors, too, but they were insignificant at this time. After all, doors were at my level. From windows, things could be thrown out from, or down from, and from the ground-level point of view, things from windows could be cast down upon, or on top of, or... Well, you get the idea. At any rate, from a ground-level point of view, things were more vulnerable in view of the law of gravity. I suddenly realised this. That is, one's vulnerability in relation to the possibility of things being thrown out of windows from a ground-level point of view. My point of view in this case, at any rate, today. The idea had occurred to me before but never with this blind force. Perhaps it was because more windows were open than usual. One's vulnerability in relation to and in terms of open windows at high vantage points, like in tall buildings, cannot always easily be assessed. This is especially apparent when walking downtown in the midst of tall buildings, sometimes skyscrapers. There is no actual certainty that of a sudden, in the wink of an eye, the windows might suddenly gape. Some quickly and instantaneously throwing off their air conditioners and pour forth a deluge of things, possibly at the hands of people in the buildings plain sick of the objects in those buildings. For example, 
Many a businessman, I'm sure, one day has it with his water cooler. All feeling for it. Gone. Even in the wake of all the fine memories it possibly holds and the instant reveries it is possibly capable of evoking. Martha, for e.g., the universal Martha, symbol, earth mother of us all in one way or another, standing there at the water wellspring, cup in hand, with carelessly and effortlessly unbuttoned top few buttons of blouse, spilling over playfully the water from cup falling forward, knocked askance by the abrupt, but joking, backslap of a male connoisseur. Ah, sweet reverie, but getting back to back to the water cooler. One day our businessman gets fed up with this water utensil, and opening his window, ah, gaping office orifice, pours forth his water cooler upon the street. Oh, equivalent of rain, huge droplets suspended in hard glass, thence to come crashing down upon the street below, but possibly falling upon the thing between it and the pavement. Possibly me. And now you know, I'm sure, why I feel vulnerable in the presence of potentially threatening windows. Other possibilities of things thrown from windows hit me. Desks, sometimes used-up relics in the eyes of their owners, might one day seem to have fulfilled their function, and the instant draws to a close when it seems they can no longer hold up paper to be written upon nor even the pens used to write with. No longer does it seem can they even continue to support a telephone jangling for even one more time. So thence, does the desk owner feel behooved to put his desk out of its misery and out to pastures, green pastures to be sure, off to a happy hunting grounds of eternal bliss? No longer does the owner wish to subject his desk to the misery of old age. And so, with the analogy, and sundry metaphors, of a burial at sea, he confronts his desk in shirt-sleeves, and, having previously shattered his office floor-length window for the ceremony, of the lengths one will go through, proceeds to push it, with dignity of a naval burial, out into the open sea of air, and watching it plunge downward leaves a sigh of bereavement and remorse over the loss of this long-time friend. This is what the businessman has in mind. The prospect of other things thrown from high open windows is also overwhelming. For example, Take a businessman who has a thing against attaché cases. Heaven knows, he's been carrying one most of his career. Black leather with gold engraved initials, three. This businessman's thing has led him to collect attaché cases for a good deal of time. I use quotes hovering over collect because, you see, he's actually stolen most of them. Planned careful thievery of cases taken from the aisles of trains from owners who have departed for John's on the trains, from owners on planes who have also departed somewhere, perhaps in search of the stewardesses, from bus depots, railroad stations and other terminals, 
he happens to have them in a variety of widths, thicknesses, depths, colours, some initialed, some not. The cargoes in them have been largely irrelevant to our thief, except for the attaches containing money. And he has dumped out their contents unmindfully, without a thought of stealing them. So you see, there is no such thing as a completely bad burglar. One day, he has amassed approximately 32 attaché cases and decides that this is it. A kind of D-Day inspiration. Storm the beaches, strafe the shoreline, loosen the generals, unmask the real admiral. So our businessman has these various attaches assembled in his office, and he has decided to let them fly in the true spirit of a bombardier out the window to strafe the beaches of our modern-day swine metropolis. Get that middle class. Also in the spirit of Bombay, on Indian, tactic, he has pushed his desk to the window, and the desktop is windowsill level. He decides to add several more desks, about five, in the back of the first in a straight-line battle formation. This is done to enable him to line up 37 attaché cases in a row, and end-to-end, end, standing up straight, handles upright, engraved initials and periods blazing in the sun which further enables our businessman to push on the last attaché case, thus moving the whole line of them forward and proceeding to dump the front one out upon the street. On target, bombs ahoy! This line flank thus arranged also enables our man to control the rate and flow and speed with which the 37 attachés will fly out the window, approach their target and hit the mark. His method, you see, is classic, and not come upon by merely accident. Our man is a serious war buff, a student of military preparedness, particularly aviational military bomb tactics. His method and manner of approach to this whole task intentionally parallels is analogous and apes bombardier tactics measures of launch, attack, and hit. The inspirational motto, Be Prepared, was it Eleanor Roosevelt that said it, was never more in his mind, and so on with the show, old chaps. Our man, who, by the way, though at the age when he could have served in World War Two, but was not fortunate enough because of punctured eardrums incurred in an adolescent freak prank accident, Oh, the cruel ways of fate, and a serious tendency to break out in hives, serious enough to kill him, so Sophia was his reaction, upon contact with wool, such as is found in military uniforms, metal, as in bullets or gun barrels, or K-rations, as in the army. Yes, our man was not privileged enough to serve our country, though he desperately wished he could, and he has never quite forgotten this. Well, it's never too late to get into action, so onward. Our man pushing out the window come the flying attaché missiles. 
downward, oh downward waft, as in grainy black and white old newsreels seen from the view of Bombay's. The improvised attaché bombs come flying, some of them with gold embossed engravings flashing in the sun. Oh, their various colours, black, ivy green, tan, neutral, antique green, cinnamon, antique red, cowhide. I was so proudly they hailed down upon the streets below. Our man, seeing the beauty of this all, even begins to forget the original reason, i.e. hate, disgust and loathing for attaché cases in general. That motivated him to take this form of protest toward and destruction, symbolic as well as actual, of the attaché case, taken as a universal symbol or archetype. Thus he has begun to forget all the hate and anger which once propelled him, and begins to focus on the beauty of the act itself. Art for art's sake. For him now, just watching the attaches flying downward is enough. Oh, the symmetry of it all. And in the course of these human events, he has learned a great thing. Namely, that hate and anger are poor motivational reasons for anything. One's acts must be motivated by the love and beauty of the act itself, no matter how disgusting or loathing. Even now, as his bombing act is more motivated by its own intrinsic beauty rather than by baser instincts, as we might choose to call them, and so our man sees his chosen objects gracefully hit their target, the pavement. What worries me is that I might one day be on this pavement, our man's target. And one man's D-Day might become another's, mine, so to speak. And that's what worries me when I walk this pavement today. Yes, the possibilities hit me of things being thrown. The problem of the many things thrown and the one, me. This is not the kind of rain I want in my life, but yet I fear the stormy days, so to speak, or right. Yes, the possibilities of other things occur too numerous to mention, but I do anyway mention them. For instance, a minister preaching the word of God over and upon the heads of people, literally, by casting out Bibles upon them. Oh, sacred spilled seed of crop to come, Bible belt indeed, but oh, those poor heads, maybe mine among them. Or a man casting out old and possibly used up girly magazines, maybe to repent of past sins, maybe to demonstrate to others the bliss of womanhood, maybe to tempt the world by flesh and the devil, or maybe to clean out his drawers, desk. Or maybe a man, having heard about the theories of mass, velocity, distance, and therefore force, throws one small penny, innocent enough, but only in appearances, for this man has malice of forethought and has decided to use science with an evil end in mind. For the small mass of the penny, having attained velocity by being dropped a big distance, 
one skyscraper, can become a pretty big force by the time it hits the ground. Or once again, whatever stands between it and the ground. Maybe a person. Maybe me. Ah, the possibilities. All these things weigh upon and enter my mind, but, oh, I hope not literally. Yes, I am not one to shrug off lightly the possibilities of many things, including things thrown from windows of downtown buildings. I don't think I'll go downtown anymore.